I'm Rev. Shannon Moore, and you're listening to the Simple Worship Podcast, recorded each week at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Every Sunday at 9.30 a.m., we gather in the Chapel of the Good Shepherd to sing, take communion, and worship. If you'd like to join us, in person or virtually, please visit our website, universitychristian.org, for more details. So today we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses. Uh, But before we talk about Matthew, I want to go back a little bit and talk about one of the prophets in the Old Testament. That's the prophet Micah. Micah is best known for um, what? Anybody know Micah 6, 8? I guess Micah's not that well known. (laughs) You know what it is, Stephanie? Yeah, it's the what does the what does the Lord require of me but to, you know, walk humbly, do justice. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the most famous scripture uh, from Micah. And now that's your homework to memorize Micah <laughs> six, eight. So the next time I ask that, everybody will say it. Um, but in the uh, fifth chapter of Micah, um, there's another prophecy that we often hear around this time of year. It was written, Micah wrote this around the late 8th century uh, B.C., and it was a tumultuous time. And as I was thinking that, I thought, aren't most times tumultuous? It just seems like all times are tumultuous. But Israel had been split into two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. The Assyrians were attacking everybody. Um, The economy grew and changed from the barter system to money. And so that gave rise to more corruption and hypocrisy and There were judges who would take bribes and prophets who would uh, accept money for a positive oracle. Um, And so Micah describes a lot of the stuff that's going on with God's people in this this book. And then in chapter 5 says this, after describing all these things that are going on, But you, O Bethlehem, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule Israel. And then he talks about from ancient days, going back to King David. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They shall live secure. He shall be great and he shall be the one of peace. So Micah is foretelling this long-awaited Messiah that we always talk about when we mention God's people and this covenant that God had and has with, with the Israelites, later the Jewish people. Micah is reminding them that this covenant that God made with Abraham way back at the beginning of the Old Testament is still valid, that God is still with them. God is working with them and through them, even as everything seems like it's under threat. So he's saying that this new covenant is going to be fulfilled, that the child will be born in Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, and that unlike the Assyrians and all of these powerful people who are using force and violence to take over other kingdoms, that this will be a leader of peace. And he uses these pastoral images of a shepherd um, because David, King David, was a shepherd. And so it's all of these connections between David and this soon-to-come Messiah. So keep that in mind as we listen to today's reading. Now, it's from Matthew. We've spent some time looking at the different versions of the Christmas story throughout these past few weeks. And um, we looked at Luke's version where there's, you know, the shepherds and 
the angels and the stable and no room at the inn and all that sort of feel-good stuff. Uh, but in Matthew's version, uh, we don't have any of that. We have Mary becoming um, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream and telling him, it's okay, this child is of the Holy Spirit, she has the baby. Not a lot, not a big to-do around the birth in Matthew's gospel. And then we get to this, Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Sound familiar? Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So this story reminds me of a couple of times when the Bible disappointed me. I got my Bible from the church in elementary school, like so many people do, and I was very excited because I searched diligently for the wedding ceremony. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here, you know, because I thought I would be able to read that along with the preachers on TV who would do weddings and stuff. Um, it's not in there. <laughs> And then I also looked for the Christmas story that I had knew that I knew so well. Um, the, not only with the shepherds and the angels, but everybody together at the stable, right? And I was disappointed that they were two different stories. Like I wanted them to be together, like I always saw in the Christmas play and like I saw in the nativity scenes. And I thought this version was just kind of boring. You know, where's the angels? Where's the manger? What is homage? You know, all of this stuff that I just didn't like it. But now, I think it's really a kind of exciting story and kind of mystical. Um, I really kind of like it. I think most of us grew up, many of us grew up with this idea that this story, the story of the wise men bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh, that's why we give gifts at Christmas. And that's sort of the overarching story, that, the idea that we get from this story. But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And I want us to take just a minute and think about Herod, this king, this ruler. You almost feel bad for him. He was a tyrant. Um, he tortured and killed anybody that he perceived was an opponent, including his wife and his sons. 
Um, he was violent. He was mean. And he just wanted to hold on to the power that he had by any means necessary. It was the most important thing in the world to him. And so when this caravan of men come from a distant country asking about a new king that has been born, he's very threatened. The scripture says that he was terrified and all Jerusalem with him. And I've always wondered how all Jerusalem knew what was going on at that moment. But I think the idea is that everybody in Jerusalem knew that if, Ter if Herod is upset, we're all in trouble. And we got to keep him happy or we all suffer. He might kill us. He might torture us. He may tax. Who knows what he will do to us? So he calls together his religious experts, the scribes and the chief priests, and said, what, what's the deal with this Messiah, with this new king? Where is he supposed to be born? They had the answer immediately because they're religious experts. They knew Micah. I bet they knew Micah 6, 8 too. Um, <laughs> but they knew that Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. So they quoted the scripture and they told him. So then Herod calls the wise men and sends them there, lies to them about his intent and says, you go find out where he is and then come back and tell me where he is because, um, yeah, I want to pay homage to him too. But he wants to kill him. He wants to destroy him. He wants to get rid of this competition, this infant competition. And then we know that story. The wise men go, they find the baby, the star leads the way, they give their gifts. And then a dream warned them to not go back to Herod, so they went back another way. But a couple of things stand out to me as I read this story, hear this story yet again this time of year. <clears throat> Primarily, Herod's terror at losing his power, going to any length, any device, deception, murder, whatever, to hold on to this thing that he treasures so much, his power. Why is that so important to him? What would happen if he lost his power. And I wonder if we do some self-examination, if we have any of that in us. What do we hold on to? What's the most important thing to us? What can we not live without? And how far would we be willing to go to hold on to it? The other thing that stands out to me is the inability of the religious leaders to see the sign of the birth of the Messiah. They had the knowledge, right? They knew exactly when asked, where is he to be born? Bethlehem, because we know the scripture. But they didn't see the star that these foreigners had seen. These people from another country, another region, another religion, who saw it and were curious enough to follow it. Maybe the religious leaders had waited so long for a Messiah that wasn't coming, didn't seem like he was ever going to come, that they just weren't looking for it. Or maybe they were so focused on keeping Herod happy that 
They didn't even think about it because their focus was on keeping Herod happy. This whole story, this whole opening of Matthew's gospel is full of examples of God speaking to everyday people through dreams, through prophecy, through, through the stars, through people of different origin and background. And it just makes me wonder what we're missing. What's the star shining in front of our face that we are not seeing as we stay busy with work and family or hold on to whatever it is that's important to us, any kind of power we have or status or money? Or maybe we're just disillusioned with everything and this is a nice story we hear at Christmas and then we put the tree up and go on about our business. Are we blocking out God's voice? Are we turning our head away from signs that are all around us? All through Scripture, it seems like God takes pleasure in the unexpected, like Abraham and Sarah having a baby when they were very old. Like King David being anointed as the king as he was the smallest brother. And the Messiah being born in a little town called Bethlehem. Not Jerusalem, but just a little town. Which was prophesied, but maybe not believed. So what would happen in our lives, in our faith? How would we grow and flourish spiritually if we started to expect the unexpected, if we truly believed in the promises of God and if we looked and listened with our hearts for how Jesus is guiding us through our lives. God speaks. And may we have the faith to perceive it. Thank you for listening to the Simple Worship Podcast. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at universitychristian.org like this sermon, please share it with others. Thanks again and have a blessed week.